Welcome back, Heartbreakers. I'm Amanda here with my co-hosts. I'm Madison. I'm Kelsey. I'm Juliana. On today's episode, um, we are joined by, do you want me to call you? I should have asked this before we started recording, but are you cool if I call you Charlotte? Do you want to be referred to as CW or... Charlotte is great, but okay. I write I write as CW Farnsworth. So right. Well, okay. So thank Charlotte you. Farnsworth. Nothing will come up. Perfect. Thank you for introducing. <laughs> Clarify that off the bat. <laughs> yeah. So we usually start every episode with a recent reads, what we've been reading since we last recorded. Um. So, Jules, do you want to go first and just get it out of the way? Yeah. Let me just knock this out before, <laughs> just in case. Um. You may hear some animal noises. It's fine. <laughs> move yeah. <laughs> there we go um sailors joining. appearance from sailor yes yes special appearance from sailor but um let me put my goodreads or my kindle i have been rereading more than i've been like i haven't been reading a lot of stuff on their own so oh i reread powerless and heartless <laughs> so insane this is my life. Um, I reread Heartless and Powerless. I reread Consider Me, Funny Feelings. Like I just had all the rereads this week and they were all wonderful. Okay. Um, I started Every Rule Worth Breaking by our own Amanda Chaperone. I wrote that book. Gorgeous. I love it. I look at that cover um, like every day pretty much. And I just smile. It gives me all the warm, fuzzy fall feelings. Such a wonderful job. Freaking excited about it. I love it so much. So, um, yeah, I think that's all I've been reading. I haven't really been reading much. Yeah. Um, he lists like 12 books and then says, I haven't been reading much. I haven't been reading much. That was actually only like five. I think I'm kind of impressed. I I haven't been reading much Mm. new stuff, I guess. Mm. (laughs) Um, so yeah, Kelsey, what have you been reading? Yeah. Just trying to look at my Goodreads see because I feel like I oh so I started listening to save I think I talked about this though last week but anyways I started listening to save the date by Mary Kay Andrews again and I forgot how much I loved that book it's always been in like my top five favorite books but gosh that book is so good and I've never listened to it on audio so we'll see what are you supposed to be reading um yeah Kelsey well okay so (laughs) I I still am. I still am. Look, it's right here on my nightstand. I'm reading A Court of Wings and Ruin. I can never remember that name, but I'm reading that. And then I'm also reading The Love Hypothesis. Um, But that's all I've got. Just those three. What about you, Madison? Um, Well, I finished reading Akamath with you, and then I started Akawar. And I finished that. And then <laughs> I read Silver Flames and finished that. And now Wait, I'm on to my- Did you listen to Akawar or read it? Um, both, but mostly listen to it. Okay. But still- I have like the Kindle like- versions. So I went, like if I was able to sit down, I kind of read it, but I mostly listened to it. Okay, that is a chunky book. Wait till you get to Silver Flames, girlfriend. It is a chunky book, but I read Silver Flames is bigger, and I read both of them. Yeah, I I read Mist and Fury, Wars, 
wait more wings and ruin and then solar <laughs> flames and you've just you just barely opened Akor. but it's okay <laughs> no, I, I don't even think i've made it to like the third chapter good <laughs> lord sis come on i'm sorry and then i started listening to uh crescent city house of earth and blood today um doing my reread of it and I'm like I have 11 I listened to it all day today I was reaping the rewards of Madison's rereads because she just texts me all day long about them and I am living for it Mm -hmm. I'm listening on 1.8 speed and I listened all day today and I still have 11 hours and 43 minutes left. <laughs> that book is chunky too. I literally probably listened to six to eight hours today of it. Um, it's like, it was like 28 hours on like regular speed. If you just like. Yeah, listen. that's, I mean, it's an 800 page book. So it's not surprising. It's a chunky boy. Okay. Amanda, what have you been reading? Okay, so when we recorded last week, I think the last thing that I mentioned was I was listening to The Intimacy Experiment by Rosie Dannon. So yes. I finished that. Loved it. Fabulous. Um, and then I finished Keeper of Enchanted Rooms, which was my March um, blind date book for my sister. I binged The Right Move by Liz Tom Ford, and I think I'm in a book hangover from it because it was just so, so good. Ryan Shea is top tier book boyfriend. Um, I listened to God Bless This Mess by Hannah Brown, which was my nonfiction of the month. And then currently I am reading The Fae Princes by Nikki St. Crow, Tower of Dawn, but I don't even think I should count that because I've literally read like maybe 15 pages. Um, I started Six of Crows, got like 16% into it. I started the audio of One of Us is Lying by Karen M. McManus today because I just got the um, an ARC of the third one. And so I want to reread the first two and audio is just the easiest way to do it. And then I'm also reading Like I Never Said by Charlotte. So yeah, I just got to the beginning of the third summer. So I had to put it down to, to hop on here, but I'm <laughs> loving it. It's so cute. So I'm excited well, to see Thank you for what, reading. Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens next. We're doing a friends to lovers trope episode for our next trope episode. And I wanted to read that book for it. So I should finish it. It's my one friends to lovers and mainly because it's a trope that I, as a reader, do not usually love. Me neither. So I just, I love the like enemies to lovers angst. mm -hmm. But this I like um, the the mutual pining of this and that little sprinkle of fake dating in the the second summer was I loved it so yeah so that's actually the first book I wrote Um, really yeah and I published it out of order because I finished it and I really struggled with the timeline on that book because I knew I wanted it to spread like a, a you know a wide span of time in their lives and I never read a book that covered that wide of a time span so I didn't really feel like I had any model or guide on like I was just feeling my way through the dark on what to include at those different phases in their lives and what would like stand out to readers or would make it all come together in the end. And so I was just too nervous to publish it. And so I wrote a second book, which I published as technically my debut. And then I went back to it. I think it's the 11th book I published. Wow. And 
I really debated. That's probably the book that came closest to never um, going out because I really, I went back to it and I was like, they've stuck, you know, Odin and Elliot have stuck with me this whole time. I really want to write this book, but I also was but far and beyond the most, the book I had the most difficulty writing. Oh, and um, I'm, I'm glad yeah. it made it out into the world because I'm really, really loving it. So Thank you. Yeah, it's one that it got a lot of love when I finally did release it. And that was really nice to see because it was a struggle to to finally put it out. And uh, and in many ways, it still feels like my debut. Whenever people mention that book to me, I'm like, oh, oh I you know, I, I yeah. feel like I've improved as a writer since then. But also, it you know, it just you've written a book like you get yeah. how that, how personal that relationship. Oh, yeah, is we all get it. So and especially the first book, I feel like and that does that feels like my first book, despite the publishing order. So yeah. um, in particular, well, it is the first I'm one you finished, you know, so yeah yeah I um I don't gravitate toward friends to lovers it's just not my thing they all can attest to that like endless text messages about my favorite what the hell am I supposed to read like I had no idea and so I I don't know like I googled because that's just what I do and I think this popped up on one of the lists I was looking at and I was like oh hockey player Canada done count me in so (laughs) And I'm loving it. So it worked out well. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's a good jumping off point. I mean, did you want to uh, mention your recent reads? Because we kind of got off on a little tangent. Gosh, but... Well, I think someone mentioned um, The Right Move by Liz Tomford. I just read Mile High by her. Um, I love Mile High too. I, but... read, I read The Right Move first and then... Uh. <laughs> um went back and just read mile high I was gonna wait and savor it because I know the next the third book isn't coming out till I think it's October November yeah um and so I was like I was trying to push it off and I just went ahead and read it and so that was the most recent book I read and I'm also listening to letters to Molly by Devney Perry right now oh she's another um I have like a half hour commute to work and so I usually start audiobooks and get like two hours into them and then switch to the ebook because I'm impatient to find out the ending. Um, So those are the two I've read recently. I've also been on a big historical romance kick lately. I went through like Tessa Dare's entire backlist. Oh my gosh, this is me like three months uh, ago. Sarah McLean and who else? Joanna Shoup. Like I just like went through a whole whole bunch of those lately. Um, I love Tessa Dare so much. Yeah, she's fantastic. I also had Evie Dunmore's. Um, Ooh, I love the title. Love, love, love those books so I'm much. I'm so terrible with remembering titles, and especially with historical romance, because a lot Was of them it the are like first one that you something read? the Duke or the Rogue uh-huh. or like the Rape. A lot of the titles just blur together in my mind. But um, yeah, her debut. Um, it had a lot of like woman suffragette, and I'm a sucker for a strong yeah. heroine. So that book, uh, that book, I really liked that one fabulous I love all three of her books a lot I'm really excited for the fourth one the fourth one comes out I think in November I want to say and I'm super excited so yeah yeah I'll I'll definitely go through the second and third by then right another more like contemporary um contemporary historical romance writer that I really like is Harper St. George writes some really good ones too so I'm gonna write that down because I'm her first one is called I want to say it's like the heiress gets a duke or something like that honestly okay. but yeah I love 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 her too that sounds like historical romance yes yeah the heiress gets a duke is the first one so yeah okay perfect 
Yeah, I tend to like get in a subgenre and then plow through a whole bunch of it and then not read another one of it for a year, but same. Yep. Yeah. I'm a big mood reader. Oh yeah. And writer. That's why I have like 17 irons in the fire right now because I couldn't decide what I wanted to read. So yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. There are a lot of books out there. Yeah. Well, and speaking of a lot of books, you have a lot of books out. So tell us how you got started writing. Um, when you published your first one, how many do you have out now? Cause I know it's a lot. So yeah, so I just published my 18th book. Wow. It came out on Thursday. The cover um, for that is adorable. I love oh, it. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I was, I know you guys, I think most or all of you use um, Sam from Ink and Laurel for your covers. And she did do one for mine and the timing didn't work out for this one, unfortunately. But um, Mary Scarlett LeBird did the cover for Six Summers to Fall and she did an incredible job. Um, I don't know if you've seen any of Amanda Gambill's or Gambill, I'm not sure how you pronounce her last name. Yes. But um, she did the covers uh, for Amanda and that was how I how I found her and she did an amazing job on that cover. Um, so yeah, that was my most recent release. It's like a fake dating, one dead, hockey romance. Yep, say less. Um, and then um, my first book was Four Months, Three Words and I published that in September of 2020. Wow. So this September will be my three year publishing anniversary. And that yeah, is I so was... impressive. And that's the one that Sam did the cover for, right? Yeah, she did. So I re-released that. It was originally two books as a duet and I um, republished it with a new cover and not really any new content, but um, I had a professional editor go through it and just clean it up a bit. And so I did like a not really relaunch, but I put it back out with that. Um, and gosh, I think it was, I don't even remember some point last year. Um, and so, yeah, I first, I've always been a big reader, um, grew up reading, you know, Nancy Drew and, um, Harry Potter and just always a big bookworm, always had ideas for stories, I guess. And so, I don't feel like there was ever really a moment. It was, I graduated college and moved to a new city. I was down in Washington, DC and started a new job and just started writing in the evenings and didn't expect it to go anywhere. Thought this would be kind of a fun hobby instead of sitting and watching TV. I'll just type out these, you know, stories I have in my head. And I finished that book, got to, you know, 70,000 words and, kind of didn't know what to do with it at that point. I didn't know anyone who'd written a book or published a book or had any experience to draw on and what the industry looked like. And I was planning to publish on a Wattpad originally because I had friends who'd read books on Wattpad in high school. And so I was like, I'll just put this out here and see if anyone reads it. And then I did some more research on the industry and I'd read, I had a Kindle Unlimited subscription. I'd read authors who I later realized were indie. I didn't realize at the time and found out that you could publish on Kindle Unlimited for free and kind of read a bunch of blogs and watched videos to figure out how that process works. And yeah, I put out my first book, September of 2023 and had a few people, I made one of those like free Weebly websites and so I had a few people um, reach out to me through that contact form and ask um, if I was writing anything else. 
And by the time I published that book, I'd already written um, another book. And so I put that out as well. And it snowballed far beyond what I ever could have contemplated at that point in time. And I've just continued having ideas and writing them and putting them out there and learned along the way on the do's and don'ts of you guys have all published books. You understand that any publishing is kind of a confusing space to navigate, I think. And um, along the way, I certainly wouldn't recommend to anyone else to start out how I did. I basically just flung the book out. I didn't have social media. I didn't have a professional cover. I didn't get the book edited. Um, a lot of things that I would tell someone who was considering um, publish, self-publishing a book to do, I didn't do myself, but I've just learned along the way. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's gone much farther than I ever anticipated. And yeah, it's, uh, it's a journey for sure. <laughs> you learn along the way um, for better, or for worse. And luckily for me, it's mostly been for better. I've just grown my readership with every book. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's really been a whirlwind, honestly, looking imagine. back at it all. What uh, does your writing schedule process look like that you've been able to put out, you know, that number of books in, I mean, less than three years, so... Yeah, so I still work full time. Um, I've gotten to a point where it would be possible for me to write full time. And it's a decision I've contemplated a lot on making that leap. Um, just a whole bunch of factors. Mainly, I love writing. It's like something I look forward to at the end of the day when I get home as I sit down and write. And so I'm honestly nervous about making that adjustment to having it be, you know, a job and a, a full-time source of income um, versus, you know, basically a hobby. Um, and so I write very quickly. Um, I have, I think I approach each book as a project I've really thought through. So I don't, start writing until I've really decided what the story is going to be. And so my first draft looks very similar to my final draft in terms of like, there's a lot that goes into word choice and I'll go back and elaborate on certain scenes. Like I'll originally write it with mostly just dialogue between the two characters. Then I'll go back and decide, oh, they're sitting in a car for this scene and they'll be sitting at a stoplight and I'll add all this, you know, things that they see at the stop like there's a bakery in the corner and uh, you know a certain car drives by and so I'll go back and add all those details but the meat of the story will already be there like the, you know the conversation that they have in the car that really you know informs the path of their relationship or is some pivotal moment in it will already be there in the book and so I don't feel like I ever go back and make substantial changes to that and that's mainly because I've already before I start writing the book, I've already figured out where they start and where they end and what the important moments in the middle will be. And so I feel like that really helps me be an efficient writer in the, in the sense that I know going into it um, exactly what the trajectory will be and exactly what I'm writing toward in the end. And I also spend a lot of time deciding exactly who the characters will be. And so I'll know Whenever I'm approaching a scene, I'll know exactly how the character, like I'll know the character well enough to decide how they're gonna react to it. And so it's almost like I'm not writing from my perspective, I'm writing from theirs, which 
I don't know if that makes sense to say or not, but I'll be like, I know if this character was set in this situation, how they would react. And so as I'm writing, there's not really a pause there where I have to sit back and think about that and decide, you know, who's going to do what or how is she going to react to this or what is he going to say in response? I'll already kind of intuitively know that. And it's just a matter of setting that in, you know, certain words and deciding how to display that on the page. And again, what sort of, you know, where that takes place. Is it on boat? Is it in the house? Is it in the car? But I already know what, what exchange is taking place between them. And so as I write, I'm, I'm just kind of pouring it onto the page in my first draft. And so I'll usually, you know, I'll come up with a story idea. I'll flush out the, the actual plot, you know, what takes place, where they're going to be, where it's, where the setting is. I'll flush out the characters. I'll know, you know, not only a physical description, but kind of their backstory and, you know, what informs the decisions that they make and, you know, what their profession is, all those, those sorts of details. And I'll sit down and actually start writing and I'll put out a huge swath of the book in just a first pass. So I don't really write an outline. I basically write the outline of the book in the, the book itself. And so I'll put down like, you know, 60, 70,000 70, words in about two weeks. Wow. And then I go back through to the beginning and that's when I'll insert those details that, you know, this conversation takes place in a car or this conversation takes place on his front, you know, his grandmother's front porch or, you know, whatever it may be, I'll make those decisions, you know, that are more minor that don't really affect the trajectory of the book. They're just, you know, the reader needs to know where the conversation is taking place. You don't just have, you know, a stretch of dialogue. And so I'll go back and insert those details. And then that's when, you know, adding those adds an extra 20,000 words and gets it to, you know, what's traditionally a full draft at, you know, 80, 90,000 words. And so, so essentially I have a first pass that's like 60,000 words, second pass is like adds another 20,000 words. And I'll go back to the beginning and do more of an intensive self-edit where I decide on word choice and, you know, catch any inconsistencies and you know I use this name in chapter one and then another name for the same person in chapter five those sorts of things you don't really catch when you're really just writing a full draft and aren't focused on those tiny details because at that point in time there are other more important details and so once I get through with that that's usually about a three to four week process for me and so that's an entire book and then I send it to beta readers get their feedback incorporate that and then send it to my editor get those back send it to my proofreader get those back so it's usually like six to eight weeks total um wow. so last year in particular i've slowed down my schedule slightly this year but last year i got eight books out and so it was basically i was releasing a book and then wait I already had the textbook fully written that is at that point can we time. go back for just a second you're telling me that you do this whole process in eight weeks yeah <laughs> That's oh amazing. Lord. That is insane. Yeah. I could And I, I don't necessarily recommend. It's just, it's worked for me, honestly. I've, it's, I like having the continual um, cycle of it where, you know, I've, I send a book to a beta reader. I send the next book to the proofreader, you know, it's just an ongoing, you know, you keep juggling, honestly. And so, um, I will slow my schedule down in the future and I have somewhat, my next release isn't set to come out till June. Um, and so I've just, you know, 
I've just bought when a new house and whatnot. So I've had like other personal stuff that's um, slowed down the time that I have to commit to writing. Um, but yeah, it's sort of like I started out writing that much. Like I would come back when I was writing my first book, I'd come home and write like three to 5,000 words a night. And so I feel like I just got into a routine of knowing that I was capable of that. And also, it, I think it kind of goes back to like, I'm excited to write. <laughs> and that's sort of my hesitancy with making it a full-time gig is that like, I come home after a day at work and I'm like, I can't wait to sit down and write out this scene that's been stuck in my head all day. And so there's like an excitement and an urgency to that where I'm like, okay, I, you know, I can get this scene down and then you know, it ends up being a, a chapter in itself or two chapters that I get done in a night. And then um, it's easy when you get like super in the headspace of the characters. I feel like it's it can be difficult to step away from it too. So it's kind of like just wanting to, to move along the trajectory of the book. And it's also then recent events are fresh in your mind. Um, and so I'm like, I know exactly what happened in this last chapter, just for it last night. And so it's easy to carry that thread into the next section. And um, again, people work in different ways. That's just, just what's worked for me. Um, I found over time. So that, that is, is, that is <laughs> that's my process. It's incredible, but it also makes a ton of sense when you put it like that too. You know, like if you don't, you don't take too much time away from it. So when you come back, it's a lot easier to get right back into it. Yeah. I, yeah. That's generally what's worked for me. And obviously, you know, people have different life circumstances, especially, um, you know, if you're only doing this part-time, you know, I don't have any young kids to chase around or stuff like that. Like I'm, if I want to sit down and write for three hours, I'm able to do that. So right. um, I've taken advantage of that for sure. What do you think was the book that you kind of like, it kind of like, was the one that really took off for you whether it be like a specific book or just like the number that you put out or yeah so this is a really interesting question because I I feel like I've published in a lot of different areas um I think I would be a traditional publisher's nightmare in the sense that I don't have a specific brand really um I think part of what gravitated to me toward self-publishing aside from the fact that I really didn't know how to navigate the whole agent querying process when I wrote my first book was that I like to jump around and try a whole bunch of different things. Um, I wrote a billionaire arranged marriage romance. I wrote a mafia romance. I've written small town, YA, adult, new adult, college. Like um, I, I just write what story comes to me. And so I feel like I've had varying success with different kind of subgenre subgenres or tropes. Um, so my second or yeah, my second book, Kiss Now Lie Later, has generally been one of my most popular. Um, it did better than I was expecting when I released it. And it had a massive resurgence. I joined TikTok like last fall. And I had no, I heard of book talk. I did not know what it was, did not know what to post on it. Anyway, I had one video go viral on it. It's put that book in the top hundred on Amazon. Wow. And I was totally taken aback by that. It had been two years since the book came out and um, all of a sudden it was doing really, really well again. Um, so that book has 
and since then it's continued to do well. Um, I Fake Empire, which is my billionaire romance, I released last June. That's consistently um, a book that I have a lot of readers, I guess, find me from. They say that, you know, that's their first book uh, that they read of mine. Um, so yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm historically terrible at predicting what books of mine will be most successful. And I think part of that is because I have jumped around. Like I was very, very worried to release Fake Empire because I felt like it was totally different from anything that I'd released prior to that. It was darker, steamier, and I was like, do I write this under a pen name and release it separately? And kind of, again, I felt felt like it was just off brand for me and not necessarily that I'd stuck to a certain brand before then, but just that it was um, very much clearer out of bounds from what I published previously. Um, and then that book did really, really well. And so I was, again, taken aback <laughs> by that because I um, had had a lot of trepidation and anxiety leading into it on how well that would do just generally. And then also I felt like by that point I'd built up kind you know, somewhat of a loyal readership. And so your anxiety as an author is always, you know, if you put out a book different from what you've done before, are people that who have read your previous books going to respond to that or to kind of follow you into that new um, subgenre. And so for that book, it turns out that they did and it did quite well. Um, so I felt like that was, gave me not only a turning point in terms of like, you know, success and in terms of my, you know, the amount of money that I was making off my writing, but also that that kind of was somewhat freeing for me in terms of like, okay, you know, I tried something different and it did well and kind of gave me permission to follow my gut a little bit more and to, not worry about, you know, writing to a certain audience, because I feel like my books have always been, I basically write what I want to read and the stories that um, appeal to me. And so, you know, again, your, your fear with that is that you're not, you know, following industry trends or necessarily um, jumping into what, you know, is hot or trendy at the time. And then you're, you know, possibly going to lose readers or have readers who aren't going to respond to the stuff you're putting out. And um, again, that's still anxieties that I have. My January release was my mafia romance. And again, I felt like that was very different from what I put out previously. And again, it, it did well. So um, that, that alleviates some fears to a certain degree, but right. it's still, you know, still always scary to try something different. And even if you're not trying something different, putting a, putting a new book out is always terrifying to a certain degree because yeah, you never, you know, before my books release, probably five, six people at the most have read them. And so, you know, if they all say, you know, they like it, that's great, but that's also a very small sample percentage. And there's every chance that, you know, the majority of people who read it won't like it. And I think I've, you know, somewhat combat in that in the sense that if it's a book I like and I'm proud of, then I'll put it out regardless. And if other people don't like that, that's entirely their prerogative. And no book that you release is one that everyone will like. And obviously you hope that people will and you hope that people will read it. But to a certain point, once you release it, you've also got to let go, you know, that ownership of it. So I think there's that was a very long-winded answer to your question. No, about no, that's what, perfect. What I think there's a lot of, there's a reader out there for every book. 
Um, That's one point I wanted to make. Two, if you don't believe in your work, nobody else will. So that's another thing that is super important that obviously I think you've, you know, you encapsulate really well because you're comfortable now stepping outside of your box, being confident enough to release a billionaire romance, which obviously if you've been on Instagram, on Bookstagram at all recently, everybody is obsessed with those. And Mafia Romance is huge. I recently got into Mafia with Sophie Lark because I'm a big fan of Sophie Lark. So mm-hmm. that's an, both of those now I'm excited to read. And Have also, you read Cora Riley's books? I haven't, but okay. I need to. She's another good Mafia author. Good to know. But yeah, I think you remind me a lot of K.A. Tucker too, where she does not write in any one specific genre and she bounces, you know, all over fantasy She's got her Wolf Hotel series and her women's fiction and mm-hmm. rom- romance. And, and I, I admire that because I don't know if I could do that, quite well, frankly. It's a very flattering comparison to Katie Tucker. <laughs> well, and you um, even said, you said that you were a traditional publisher's nightmare and Kay Tucker said that exact same thing when we interviewed her. Literally. I was yeah. going to say, whenever she said that, I was like, I swear Kay Tucker just she said did. that. Like those exact words. So I was like, wow. Yeah. Well, I just feel like a lot of the authors I read who are traditionally published, like, you know, Emily Henry or, I mean, Colleen Hoover does have a few outliers, but the majority of her books are in, you know, a similar, you know, woman's fiction genre. And yeah, I get, I'm honestly in awe of authors who are able to, like Megan Quinn, who just turns out like rom-com after rom-com. Like I, as a, as a writer, I get bored by that as I'm like, after I read, like, or not after I read, after I write, you know, like an angsty, heavy romance, then I feel like turning to something light and fun and like similarly if I've just written a high school romance I usually write a adult romance after that like I just it, I find it difficult to write two books that have a some you know similar themes or similar ages or anything in that um, vein back to back and so I feel like trying something new is like refreshing for me and I think part of that probably goes back to how quickly I published is that you know, other authors potentially might take more time between books. And so for me, if I'm starting a new book or finishing a new book as I'm working on something, um, it's easier for me to just be in a totally different headspace. Like if I'm working on two different books to have them be very different. And so I think that also is part of why I'm such a, a mood writer where I jump around in different categories and I also just enjoy the challenge of it to a certain degree of like just doing something totally different from what I've what I've attempted to write before I I find more invigorating than um revisiting a story that I feel like I've tried before so that's so interesting to me because I have (laughs) to just like try to consciously remind myself that not every single book that I write can be a friends to lovers rom-com um and the thing is but like, by the same token I feel like if you have something that you enjoy writing and that you know works yeah lean into that too I I'm, um I think that you know there are some people who who find that and write it and really excel at it um which well, is also a unique talent for me like specifically like I just have such a hard time 
I don't know. I have genres that I love that I would never write in just because they're like my escape for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I don't think I would ever attempt to write historical fiction or like historical romance simply because it's like something that I read when I need to like not be thinking about contemporary romance, you know? I don't know. Do you find it difficult to read? Huh? I, I said, that's interesting. No, because no, I don't. I read a lot and I read in all sorts of genres. And it's honestly, reading a certain genre often makes me want to write it. Yeah. <laughs> so I've fallen into the thing where I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm writing a, you know, high school romance and reading a billionaire romance. And then I want to write a <laughs> billionaire romance because I'm reading one. Um, so I find it, yeah, I find it more encouraging than discouraging, I guess, is what I'm, what yeah, I'm that's to just say. so interesting to me because I mean, I think sometimes I think to myself, oh, that would be fun to write, but then I'm like, no, if I write it, then that's going to be like one less thing that I can read all the time. I don't know. I do read like a lot of like friends to lovers is probably one of my favorite, like contemporary romance tropes, um, just in general, but like. I guess I have a harder time with like comparing my work to all of my favorite people. So when I'm writing, I try not to read in those because then I just have a hard time getting out of that headspace. But so like fantasy and historical romance are just like sacred to me that I put on the back burner and I don't allow myself to touch them because they're just for reading, you know? Um, Yeah, that's that's so interesting to me. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that perspective. I, um, I, I feel like I try to consciously not compare my work to yeah. other authors, which is, it, it's obviously very difficult. Um, but I, yeah, I, I feel like I'm to a certain degree, I'm able to separate the reader in me versus the writer, mm-hmm. if, that, if yeah. that makes any sense, where um, when I'm reading a book, I'm not necessarily thinking, oh, you know, how does this compare to a scene that I wrote or how does this compare to how I would write this scene? Um, I'm more just, you know, kind of immersed in that, in, in that book and that world and not, it's an escape yeah. from, you know, my work and my books where I'm not, not as focused on that, um, that part of the experience, but I could totally, I can totally see how that, how you might feel that way as you're, you're reading. Um, we did have an Instagram question. And it is from, I don't, I'm probably going to butcher her username. So I'm just going to say it how I would like say it. And uh, it's Noelle K. (laughs) And she wants to know which one of your characters you most relate to. Mm. (laughs) It's always such a fun question, isn't it? I know I've gotten this before and I don't know if I have a much better answer. Uh, The truth is I've put myself into every character to a certain degree. I think that's impossible not to do as an author. Um, I try to come up with distinguishable traits for each character that I write and know how they would react to a situation. That's not necessarily how I would react and um, kind of put myself in that headspace. I will say Harper, who's the female man character in Six Summers to Fall, which I just released, um, was probably, that book was the most personal I've written for a whole bunch of reasons, but I think I identify with her pretty strongly um, throughout. And then 
Sailor Scott is another one I say, who's from um, First Flight, Final Fall. I think that's the answer I've given most consistently on this question. Um, but she's um, just kind of a, a strong female character who um, I think embodies a lot of the qualities that I tried to emulate. Um, but yeah, I think in, even broadly from characters, you know, you, as a writer, you put, your, put a little bit of yourself into every book that you write, whether it's conscious or unconscious, honestly, um, and sometimes takes readers pointing out certain scenes to realize it. Um, but yeah, I think um, I try try to write dreamy male characters and strong females just generally in most, you know, all my books, honestly. Um, so yeah. Well, I'm really loving Elliot so far, so... Oh, I think you're doing well yeah um, I did have I just thought of like a random totally random question but yeah. if do you think that there's like one underlying theme that you try to like weave into each of your stories or are they all completely different um it's a good question one I have not gotten before it's one we've um, never asked before I don't know why yeah, I just came up with um, it, but. <laughs> I don't know if there's really a theme I think sort of the the um, characteristics I try to embody, there's, you know, probably some similarities between the different characters that I've written um, beyond, you know, just kind of surface level details, like their physical characteristics of their profession, which I obviously change up book to book, but um, just sort of, you know, their priorities or morals or um, focus or dreams. Um, I think there's probably some similarities across there. But in terms of the like morals or um, kind of underlying plot of the book, I don't feel like I always fall into similar categories. I think I, I honestly, the part I most struggle with my books is the endings um, because I do feel like those are difficult to not make redundant to a certain degree. There's, you know, and I understand from a reader perspective, you know, you want the happily ever after, but that is, is usually somewhat limited in how that that turns out and so that's usually the part that I struggle with the most is sort of that that aspect of tying it all together and I've done it more successfully in some books than others I think but that's usually where I sort of um, tie in you know both characters kind of realize not only individually but as a couple you know what they're looking for and um, I think that's usually when I'll um, tie it all together in terms of some sort of common theme and usually that's some form of not only figuring out you know their future as a couple but also trying to resolve whatever individual struggles or difficulties that they have I feel like that's that's important to not leave those open-ended in any any way because yeah you're writing a romance but also you get attached to the characters as individual people and so um, it's nice to see uh, whatever struggles they're dealing with, not necessarily resolved because that's not realistic and that's not life, but to sort of see, to at least see, you know, path forward, how, how they'll deal with whatever um, difficulties or trauma or struggles that they were um, having to navigate um, to see, you know, how, how that'll look like moving forward, I feel like. Um, I do a better job of suggesting how that will be resolved um, than necessarily what they'll look like as a couple in some books. But um, anyway, ever, ever changing, ever evolving as an author. <laughs> so true, oh, all yeah. of us. I mean, you kind of yeah. have to, you know. 
and that's what you want honestly you never want to be like oh I've I've figured this all out you know yeah there's, then, like, there's nowhere I can improve I yeah. don't think any uh what's the fun any author would say that there's always something to be learned and always something to be improved but if you waited around to figure all that out you'd never release a book so there's also that absolutely that piece of it um what's one thing that you will never write um wise, any, I mean just anything is there one one thing that you'll just never go near This is a difficult question for me because I Do you honestly, have any like icks? We were talking one time about like our biggest icks. Yeah. I'm not generally a big age gap person. There are a few that I've read and really enjoyed, but it's usually a trope that I stray away from um, just because I feel like it's a really difficult dynamic to um, navigate. And so I don't think that is one I would necessarily write. But again, for me, it's more about like the story. So if it was like, if I came up with a plot idea that required some sort of obstacle like that, then I could see myself throwing it in. But generally I wouldn't strive to write an age gap. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Have you ever like specifically tried to write a trope that you're not a huge reader fan of because I have a book that I'm planning that are a couple tropes that I don't really enjoy reading but I'm like I'm gonna try to challenge myself here to see if I can write it and enjoy it and I always wonder if people have ever tried that I have multiple times <laughs> <laughs> I'd say the best example of this is um for fake empire and uh spoiler alert there's a surprise pregnancy in it and mm -hmm. that is a trope that i generally detest <laughs> and have a lot of trouble with and i needed something they were already married at that point it's an arranged marriage billionaire romance and so i needed they're both the the general premise of the book is they're both very they're both billionaires from very powerful families there's no real power dynamic between them they're in very equal footing and so I needed something to kind of jolt them both and crack the ice between them and force them both to confront you know that their marriage is more than a business relationship and I tried very very hard to come up with something other than surprise pregnancy because that's again generally a trope that just I, I struggle with and um I did I did end up doing it because it was it just it worked with the story and the other elements of it um but yeah and again I think if you're able to see a path for it then I would say go for it because again it's your, it's your book it's your story and so I think that again there have been age gap romances that I've really enjoyed and I felt like I've worked despite going into that trope thinking that it's generally one I struggle with. And so I think, you know, a trope is only a small part of the story. There's obviously a lot more to it. And so I wouldn't let it being a trope that you don't like, you know, scare you away or um, prohibit you from exploring it if you feel like it works with a broader story. Cause yeah, again, I've done it multiple times and it's, you know, I love it's that. a challenge. <laughs> 
but uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. So, surprise pregnancy, not my preferred trope either at all. I typically hate it, quite frankly. But well, this is my this is my main struggle with it is I often feel like it's introduced early in the book, and it's the reason that the couple forms together a mm-hmm. relationship to begin with, and then they they you know grow to love each other and to you know learn more about each other because they're connected through that means, and so yeah, I feel like I I like seeing the couple form that connection before there's those other elements introduced and so right that's that's usually what I struggle with I think most of the trope and so realizing that and then introducing it it's I think halfway more than halfway through fake empire um at which point you know they're married (laughs) there are other events that takes place I was like okay I can see this working where it's not the reason they're together it's you know just just a factor in their relationship and sort of a nudge essentially um because they're both very stubborn people well and like you said Um, I mean that's one of your more successful books right yeah yeah (laughs) so it worked for (laughs) you right it's the trope that nobody likes but I mean you must have done it well so yeah and I don't see many reviews that mention it honestly and I always feel I feel badly because I've gotten to a point like I try to keep up on social media but I always see like I'll be like scrolling on the explore page and this has happened on TikTok too where I'll see like a quote or a collage for a book and I'll my first thought will be like wow this is really similar to so-and-so and then I'll realize it's my book and I just missed like missed it when they posted it <laughs> and so <laughs> that's how I come across a lot of reviews and thankfully they're generally you know positive um and so, and then I'll be, you know, reading them. And a lot of the times they won't mention the specific thing that I'm curious what readers thought about, um, which is always, um, I don't know. It's, I, I obviously, you always want positive reviews, but I'm always like, oh, I always like tempted to comment like, oh, what did you think about this? Um, and I never <laughs> do. Um, <laughs> but very few people have mentioned the, that trope in fake empire. And so... I hope that's a testament to the fact that the story kind of holds up on its own without that trope being the focus of it. Um, but uh, yeah, I am always curious uh, because I would like to hear more people's thoughts on how how that informs the broader book. Because I do, I do feel like it's one of those those tropes that people generally hear and um, kind of are turned off by or dissuaded by. Um, right. I think it's one of those really polarizing ones. Like you either. Yeah, maybe not polarizing necessarily because I don't know that I know anybody that actually is like oh my god yeah I will read surprise pregnancy all day every day but there are a lot of people out there that are like this is the worst trope ever and then there are people like oh I'm it's not like it's not bad like I don't mind it so I feel like that's one of the ones that like when people ask what their least favorite trope is it comes up all the time yeah I I don't think I've ever another one I've never written a love triangle I don't <laughs> there have been a couple books where I've considered it um but I feel like love triangle that is it's very difficult to write a compelling one and not have conflicting outcomes on who people think the it's usually the female but who he or she will end up with and because if you write them both 
as compelling options, people are going to be torn on who they want, you know, the right. main character to end up with. But if you don't write them as both compelling options, then I feel like that almost negates the angst yeah. of the love triangle where it's so obvious who they should, <laughs> who right, they should end up sense. with in the end that, um, you know, it's all, it's almost not worth including as, you know, an aspect of the story. It should just be like, you know, a tangential love interest on the side. I think you can't in like a love triangle too, whichever way you as the author decide to go, I don't think you can win with readers either way because there's always going to be a faction of people that are like, no, you should have gone this way instead of going this way. So yeah. Right. Which is a testament to writing a good love triangle. Yeah. Honestly, because you know, you generated enough interest or um, anticipation that readers are invested in both of the, you know, potential love interests, but then, yeah, you're always going to have a reader who's disappointed by the outcome as well. So. Right. I think of um, like these hollow vows by Lexi Ryan is one that's got a love triangle in it. Um, and I was I like, that. I was, I read um, Say You Swear by Megan Brandy. I think that was the last love triangle. Oh, I, um, one that I read and that one I did, that. it was, it was pretty, pretty clear who you know she would end up with I yeah and I like. felt I felt like that about um these hollow vows too like I thought it was pretty obvious which way it was gonna go but maybe was that, that way uh I think it's Lexi Ryan I think okay. I, I think. love that book I know you do I made you read it basically Madison last summer went through this this phase where she just scrolled my Instagram looking for fantasy recommendations and read so it worked out well for us because then I had somebody to talk about I admit something to you guys I almost said this during when you were all doing your currently reading I have not read a Sarah J Moss book and I really enjoy fantasy romance and I know that she is the queen and the reason I haven't read it is that I struggle so hard with series especially long series Mm -hmm. And series Me that don't too. have all the books out so far. And so that is my main turnoff with uh, fantasy is that oftentimes they're series and oftentimes they're long series and oftentimes not all the books are out. And so I've read a few here and there and I've really enjoyed them. And I think fantasy is, you know, a genre that I enjoy as a reader. But um, yeah, I, I struggle with that aspect of it for sure. I'm going to need you to do it. Yeah, but I'm we're just, not. We're also not going to hold it against you. I fully like, intend to read them, and I am positive that I would love them based yeah, on what I mean, I've seen of them. It's Madison just like, and I could talk about SJM for all hours of the day, and we. Amanda, do. I know you think that I text you about it a lot, but there's uh, that's maybe like an Probably, eighth of the amount of text that I want to send. <laughs> Yeah, I hold well, back keep, so many. Just keep them coming because I love it. I it see keeps, it all over social media. It keeps my work day like, interesting. So beloved, but yeah. okay. Well, speaking of fantasy, I just need to like block off a month. Yeah. <laughs> speaking like, of, I read okay. her entire backlist in one month, and that's how many books? Uh, five, six, seven. It's like fifteen. They're so long. I feel like they could. Be They're long. Fifteen. So. They're long. Um, so yeah. I read 15 of them in one month, um, and it was a month before my very first book came out. Um, okay. that's a good distraction then, or no, it was, it was two months before because I almost didn't send out arcs on time because I forgot. 
that's <laughs> that should be a blurb for the book it's yeah. so good though oh it was we'll bad see. it was really bad I remember like two days before and I was like oh my gosh I'm I have to send out arcs um so yeah that's my endorsement yeah okay. and speaking of now fantasy I mentioned Kay Tucker earlier have you yeah. read her fate and flame series yeah it's amazing isn't it, it yeah Madison made me read it. That was one that she got me on. And I could go on and on about those books forever, but like you can't talk about them. It's such a unique premise. I you will can't never talk about them because saying like any like I feel like they're it's kind of spoilery. She told me don't read the synopsis before you go into them. Don't do it. Yeah. And so I did it. And I'm so glad I did it that way because like when that and moment I'm like you comes, just have to get past the first hundred pages you have yeah. to do it and I almost didn't but like when maybe. that moment comes when it's like the tables turn and everything just like goes full send you're Happens. like you're like what is happening and it just doesn't stop yeah it just doesn't stop. it's lovely okay. I read the first book thinking it was a standalone <gasps> oh no <laughs> I got to the end and I was like oh I read and the first I book thinking the second book was already out and I think she has since announced what the release date for the third book is, but September fifth. A while. <laughs> I already so, know. So I'm gonna <laughs> need to go back. That's my other thing with fantasy is now I'm gonna have to go back and reread yeah. the first and the second book right before the third book comes out. And I don't, has she announced if that's the final book or they're possibly see? I don't think so because she just posted about this the other day and it was like she called it the next book in the series. So okay. if it was the last book, she would 100% say the final book. The final like, book. yeah. What? So okay, well, I'm thrilled. that's exciting. <laughs> but now, also. but now you're like, dang it! I'm I'm gonna, gonna, you're a fantasy girly. You can read them too. Oh yeah, I'm not a fantasy girly now. But you yeah. need to finish. I have read Alice has a couple standalone fantasies which I've read and really enjoyed. Um. And those, I just generally, I'm better with standalones than series, or at least interconnected standalones versus a series yeah. that follows the same characters. Because then, yeah, I struggle if the next book doesn't come out. Right. Have you read Ice Planet Barbarian? Oh, good lord! <laughs> have you? I read part <laughs> of the first book. And you I really just have to get past that first that. book. I, they were like what was it 2021 where they were that book was all over social media and so I was like oh, I'll see what this is about and yeah I, that's as far as I got but Juliana was very I see the appeal them. totally for them Juliana was very into them and she kept okay. oh, hold on she kept there's telling a, me there's a lot of them correct yes many okay many many too many um, yeah. it's, and she kept telling me she was like Madison just do it just do it and one day I was like you know what I'm in a book slump. Let's try it out. And that first book was just, eh. but I was like, you know, I got to keep going. I, I got to keep going. Yeah. And I have to know what happened around the commitment. And then after, I think it was like book three, I was like, okay, okay. Okay. I'm seeing the appeal here. And then I read like 19 of them in two weeks. Oh my um, gosh. So maybe I just didn't get far enough into it then. The first two books are okay. Like I okay. liked them. Um, Do they have to be read in order or? Yes. Okay. But they're only like 250 pages. So I feel like you yeah. can really get through the first like two and yeah. it's no problem. Yeah. Um, and then, and then I just kind of blew through them really fast. And then um, 
they do have to be read in order because there's like overarching plot that's happening throughout all of them but each book is a different couple you know okay so they're kind of like standalone but should yeah be. but okay. yeah if you're ever if Maybe you're ever in slump it, it and you're like <laughs> looking for something. the problem is there's so many good new releases always coming out oh my god you can't possibly keep it's so I like, rare that I will actually reread or go back to a series um because yeah there's too much too much good stuff coming out I have a problem where I just I hardly read anything new um because I find my books that I like and then I just reread them all the time the thought of trying to invest my time in like a new book or especially like a new author that I've never read before. And I'm like, it's such a gamble and I have so little time to actually do it. So unless yeah. I have like a lot of like people that I know that really, really love it, I like add it on KU and then it just sits there. Um, I'm really terrible about that. Yeah. yeah. I, I will go down rabbit hole. If I find an author that I like, I will go through their entire backlist. Mm -hmm. I yes, did that that's a dare. That, to, that absolutely happened with but like Elizabeth O'Rourke I found her devil in deep blue sea book which is I think the third of her devil series and so I read that and then immediately like she has like a time travel series and some college sport romances and I just, say like, less I zoomed through those all say yeah. less I did that with have you read Marco. any of her books no but I'm about to She's fantastic. I have so many. Amanda's coming out of a slump right now. I did There's that exact so same thing with Sophie things. Lark, though. I read, I mean, one. For like guys, three no, weeks on the podcast, just we were nothing like, Amanda, so. what have you been reading? And you were like, still on uh, that Sophie Lark deep dive. Books by Sophie Lark. Yeah. She's now, like, she's become one of my favorite authors because she's just, she writes, I mean, she's got like a bunch of mafia romances, but they're all like totally different. And then there's like her Kingmaker series, which is like a boarding school for mafia children. Like they're just so good. I'm just obsessed. It's the second generation too. That, yeah. That follows yeah. characters. Yeah. Yeah. So I, oh, I just love them. I just love her so much. And Sophie's just like yeah. the sweetest person ever. So there are so many. I have like Aris Gray. Have you read any of her rom-coms? I haven't. She's another great author. There's just so many, like it's never There's ending. There's so many. It's really Harry never Aarons, ending. Harry S.J. Silvis. Okay, well. Britt Benson. Oh. oh, I just read, uh, if you like arranged marriage, I just read Katharina Mara's um, The Wrong Bride. That was all over book talk. And so I read that in the night. And she just released another one, I think, The Temporary Marriage. I haven't I read that, but. I've seen that around. The temporary wife is what that one's called. Temporary wife, yes. And then the third one is called the unwanted marriage, and it comes out in June. Okay. Mark. I read the wrong bride. Is that one first? <laughs> yes, that's the first yeah. one in that series. And that so. was interesting. She marries her um, boyfriend or her sister's boyfriend. You read um, anything by India Holton? I have not. If you like fantasy and you like historical romance, hers are really okay. good because it mixes them. But they're, I read them out of order because um, they're kind of like standalones, but it's the League of Gentlewomen Witches. And then, oh goodness. Yeah, I can picture the cover for it. I saw someone yeah. posting about um, 
at least one of her books wisteria society of lady scoundrels i loved both of her so much i desperately want um an arc of her next one um (laughs) i've been unlucky so far is Um, she traditionally published or is she indie do you know traditional okay um but yeah i really love her books because they're they're such like a unique premise i don't know they're just really good um but they can definitely be read in like any order and kind of standalones but sounds like it's right up your alley with like standalone fantasy i will honestly try anything (laughs) see this is my favorite part i think of our author episodes lately is just getting recommendations Mm -hmm. because we've been getting so so many so many good books lately have you read um angelica frankenstein makes her match by sally thorne see that's the other thing i read the hating game by sally thorne before i read them or before I watched the movie um but I have not read anything else by her okay that book came out I don't know when but I read it around Halloween last year and it's kind of like another historical fantasy type thing and I loved it so much I've seen a lot of like mixed reviews on it but I loved it so much what's the title again Angelica Frankenstein makes her match okay like a Frankenstein Frankenstein twist yeah, it's Frankenstein's sister. Yeah. And then she falls okay. in love with the man that she makes. And speaking of the hating game, I have watched the movie, but I've never read the book. I the love that movie. Is- I'm not going to lie to you. I, I watch that movie probably once a week, honestly, but I love that I'm movie. always torn on when it's a book to movie adaptation on whether to watch the movie first or read the book first, because I feel like commonly people say read the book first, but then I feel like it kind of ruins the movie for me because <laughs> the was book is my favorite always better and so I yeah I don't I have I have conflicting feelings on the correct order for order for that because like, I read Daisy Jones and the Six and adored that and the series was you know it was really well done but it wasn't as good as the book so yeah the movie was I, I stayed up till midnight when it came out, um, watched for the it. hitting game. Yeah. Cause yeah. I love that book so much. And I was Third. disappointed in the movie, but I'm like, I'm going to keep shouting to the mountaintops that it was amazing that I loved it because I want more of my favorite books being turned into movies. Yeah, that was the thing that I heard a lot of people like afterwards. They were like, "We are not going to say anything bad about this movie because we don't want people thinking that we don't want these these movies." And I was like, "Right, we love it. We love the movie. I feel like the casting was really good." But I love um, Lucy Hale so much. Like, she was a perfect Lucy. Honest, I need you to read the book just so you can see how perfect how perfect Lucy Hale is as Lucy. As I can't think of the actor's name either, but he, I thought he was like encompassed how I pictured the character yeah. well Austin yeah. Stowell you know, yeah it was it was well cast the movie I thought I felt in like terms the of how writing the character wasn't which is best. often difficult because of the movie at least for myself yeah. like I can't get asked often to uh typecast my books in terms of actors and that I really struggle I with because it like I don't have an actual person in mind when I do it and like trying to shove them into a box of a person that actually exists is very difficult for me to do but Mm -hmm. okay this is a really good segue into our end of the episode 
last question because a few weeks ago, Madison texted the group and said, the next time we record, we should do our closer as the book we wish we could see on TV or film. So like, how perfect is this? (laughs) So is there any specific movie or book that you want would want to see made into a TV show or a movie? There's so many. Yeah. That's the problem because I feel like there's so many wonderful plots of books out there and not that many great romantic movies being made. Um, I feel like they really have like Hollywood for whatever reason has really gone away from the rom-com like making like those Emily Henry just posted about that today. Yeah. Well, and Book Lovers is getting made into a movie. Book Lovers is getting I would love to see, speaking of Emily Henry, I'd love to see a beach read. Yes. That is my favorite. I want people we meet on vacation, which it has been bought, right? I think so. I don't know. Possibly. I think yes. But I, I'm with you. Beach read would be great too. I'm with you. Beach read is my favorite of her books, but I'm, I surprisingly loved Beach Lovers way more than I thought I would, honestly. It took me a really long time to actually like read it. Beach Lovers? Are you saying or book, or book lovers? Book lovers, you knew what I meant. My brain. <laughs> no, I, is, I really didn't release a book. I don't know. My brain is fried. <laughs> anyway, book lovers. Um, I think listening to the audio helped instead of like trying to read it because the audio was really good. So Julia Whalen is just a fabulous narrator. So he really, really is. She's so good. Um, I have you guys had uh, audio adaptations for your books? Have you guys gone through that process? I am, my first For the Boys comes out in May and then On the Line comes out in June. Okay, I'm still waiting to find out when mine will be coming out. Okay, well, that's another thing. Like when at least the, the production companies that I've worked with have asked for names of narrators for the books. And so that's another thing in addition to actors where I feel like I've never ever pictured what a character's voice would sound like and so when they've asked me for narrator names I found that to be mess a part of it is that I don't listen to a ton of audiobooks because as I said previously I tend to just switch to like an ebook version halfway through or a quarter through because it allows me to finish the book faster if it's one I'm really enjoying but Anyway, I never feel like I have a great sense of what the character would sound like. And so when they've asked me for that, but Julia Whelan is a voice. I've she's listened just... to a couple audiobooks she's narrated and that's a voice where I, yeah, I just feel like certain people. She can do anything. She can't, she made Charlie sound easy to do. So hot. I mean, yeah. that man voiced by her, I would let him do <laughs> unspeakable things. Let's be real here. So... She made him sound like ask I I didn't I text you guys this that she made him sound so hot. I know I texted Kelsey about I it. I just love months. her man voice. Yeah. Like, there's I feel like a lot of female narrators do not do a great man voice, but she, she does. Top she does. notch. I have to listen to that audiobook now. Oh yeah, you do. Because Charlie Lasso uh, is a, a smoke. Yeah, show. all of mine have been done in the dual narration, which is in- interesting actually, because part of my historical romance kick has been listening to historical romance audiobooks, and those are all almost always in third person, and they're just narrated by one narrator who's usually a woman. And yeah, it's it's really amazing to listen to them 
like not only do male versus female voices, but often there's like a Scottish accent or an English accent as part of the characters. I love also having to take on. Oh, and she does. Yeah, it's just so fun to listen to. Um, yeah. Anyway, I love that. Yeah, there are some. The number of times that I have like returned an audiobook from Libby because I can't stand the narrator and it's not even the narrator in their normal voice it's like them pretending to be a man or somebody else just yeah. I can't do it men have a really hard time doing the lady voices and a really lot of audiobooks do. and I've returned a lot on Libby because of that reason alone but oh, okay, yeah. whatever, what are our book movies we want? Usually they send like a five minute sample usually of what the narrator sounds like. And yeah. oftentimes it's not like they're not having to do dialogue from a different character's perspective or whatnot during that. So right. it'd be really difficult to judge what that, that part will sound like. But anyway. I know what, what book I would like to see on television. What's that? Throne of Glass. Yes. That's it. That's that's my Just number. One. Give me a series like ten years worth. I'm good. I'm excited for for the Akatar TV show. I am, but I want Throne of Glass more than that. Yeah. And if they could do it as well as uh, Outlander, that's what I want. Outlander's fabulous. See, like my, if I mean, they do it like Shadow Hunters. I never watched that, but I also no. haven't read those either. So I mean, it was one of the most disappointing things I've ever watched on television. <laughs> um, because I love those books so so much. Right. See, um, one of my all-time favorite series, I mean, forever and ever is Harry Potter, and that's already been made into movies. So you just you know what I would it. love to see. Oh boy. <laughs> Every summer after. Yeah. That would be that would be a great Glorious. Well, and love in other words too, for that matter. Mm-hmm, I would love yeah. both of those, honestly. I think both of them would make. I'd rather. I think I'd rather see every summer after on TV, though, just because for the I summer vibes. vibes. See, I'm thinking just like movies for those two. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So every summer, or love in other words would be really good, but we'd also just be spending a lot of time in a class. True, but <laughs> it would be on every summer. It would after, have a would lot of books, so it would be like a library yeah. closet instead of just a closet. But yeah, that's true. You're oh, right. Every yeah. Summer after, every it would just be prettier after, on film. Yeah, every summer after cinematically would translate a lot better than Love yeah. and Other Words. Both fabulous books, though. Damn. Ooh, I feel like um, she's gotta get a deal. You deserve each other would be a top-notch romantic comedy as a movie. I mean, you would not be able to beat I it. I would love to I see that, read that. Oh. on my TBR forever. Oh, it's so it's good. My all-time favorite like contemporary romance, hands down. I read it. I cried laughing time. while I was reading it. Like literally was crying laughing. It's one of the funniest books I've ever read. But it's also so sweet and heartfelt and just, oh, I just love it so much. And Mr. Wrong Number Two, for that matter, would also make a fabulous movie. I read that either, but I know. There's a movie coming out that looks similar to Mr. Wrong Number, though. We right? love Lynn Painter around here. Lynn Painter can do no wrong, so. There's also a movie coming out pretty soon that looks pretty similar to Dear Adam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that that one that's got, um, what's his nuts in it? Uh. Um, Sam Hewen. I don't know if you guys yeah, know this, but he's I literally could not. He's Scottish. Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> we talk about Sam Hewen a lot. And, and one day Kelsey goes, I don't know if you guys know this, but he's Scottish. And we are like, yeah, Kelsey. We know. We know. Like We're pretty obsessed with him. Yeah. Whoops. He's the reason I watched Outlander. <laughs> oh, see, I watched Outlander because I read the books, but I stayed for Sam Hewen. <laughs> so... I mean, he's the reason that I watch Men in Kilts because uh, it's kind of hard to get through that. Uh, they're incredibly awkward on there, but they I look bet. beautiful. Is Honestly. that a television show? Sam it's and him. Graham. It's him and, yeah, and Graham. the guy who plays Dougal. And they just huh? travel Scotland. I've heard and, of it. Yeah. Josh I'm wanted to watch it, um, so we watched it. And then he was like, they're too awkward on this. I can't finish it. And I was like, well... We're in the middle of the episode about witchcraft in Scotland. We can't turn it off now. So. <laughs> finally got something interesting. solid reasoning. Witchcraft <laughs> in Scotland. Good lord. Yeah, I think those are my top ones. That's that was. See, I don't think I would. I would do the Simple one. Wilds by Kay Tucker. Ooh. I'm not sure if I ever. That would be lovely. That that would just be the Alaska, lovely. like based on the proposal that um ryan reynolds sandra bullock movie yeah yeah he does such a great job of doing like such vivid imagery in that book where i feel like that would be a really incredible film adaptation whatever i like only just recently read that so i'm really happy i know what you're talking about the simple wild Mm -hmm. have you read the other two i read um wild at heart too but i haven't read running wild yet okay that was one of my favorites. I know there, I think she posted something on her Instagram about how she was, obviously Maria's kind of not a villain in the other books, but she's, you know, yeah. kind of built as an unlikable character. And that's what I- For obvious reasons. Like, I love books where it's like a misunderstood character gets their moment and their, you get to see their perspective. And Why am I immediately thinking of Tamlin right now? <laughs> like, why? I still want a redemption arc for him. I don't. I don't care for him at all. Hook, line, and sinker would be a great movie. Hook, line, and sinker. The soundtrack alone for hook, line, and sinker would be wonderful. I don't. I don't necessarily care to see uh, the one that's actually being optioned. It happened one summer. (laughs) I know me either. I don't like their relationship. We've talked about this a lot. Have you read? I am excited for the setting. The setting Uh, will be great. Have you read any Tessa Dare? Not Tessa Dare. Tessa Bailey get those confused i have i haven't read it happen one summer and i well it really sucks need to. <laughs> no i read her um it doesn't suck tools of engagement or something her okay. like home, yeah um, renovation of, one the hot I read that series. series yeah i love um, that I was actually I that quite a bit tools of engagement was actually the first book of hers that i read loved it and then i read the third one in that series because the second one is marriage and trouble and at that stage of my mm-hmm. life, that just wasn't something that I was interested in reading. Um, I keep meaning yeah. to go back and read it. I just haven't yet. But um, it happened one summer. No, it's not bad, but it's not my favorite. Mostly, I definitely like Hook, Line, and Sinker better. I don't like it happened one summer mostly because I just don't find Brendan and Piper's relationship believable in the slightest. Like, not even a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that made it really difficult for me. But Hook, Line, and Sinker is fabulous. So... I would like to see Allie Hazelwood's books as movies. Oh, yes. Although it would probably just be a lot of like fluorescent lighting. Um, Speakers. 
Yeah. I'm very excited for her chess book that she announced. I don't remember when it's coming out, but yeah, I think it's called um she's gonna chess. be at a signing I'm going to this summer. <laughs> I think it's so, called like, I wanna say like her. check and mate or something like that. Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah, I just don't remember when it's coming out. Well, hold on, because I'll tell you. Okay. It's coming out November seventh. Have so, you read her other books? I well, I haven't read the novellas. Oh, they're read, so good. Um, they are. Love hypothesis. <laughs> so I know. I just I don't read many novellas, and I don't know why. Um, the audios are really good. The audios. I think amazing. I like like yeah. having a longer book. I don't know. Um, and then what is the love? The, what's her? What was her other full length book called? I'm totally blanking on the name of it. Love right on now. the brain. Love and on the brain. Love on the brain. Thank you. I have not read that yet either. See, I arcs of her newest again, one on my endless TBR. Yeah, we feel that, theoretically, and it was by far my favorite of hers. Which I love everything that she okay. writes, but it was my favorite. Yeah. So we they pushed me and pushed me and pushed me forever to read the Love Hypothesis, and I mm-hmm. gave it three stars. Like it's not my favorite book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and then I listened to the novellas, and I love the novellas, but Love on the Brain, her second full length so good it's just yeah. a masterpiece so oh absolutely so them. yeah I felt like her obviously love hypothesis was her debut and totally blew up and I often feel like I, I go into those books with different expectations mm-hmm. which is just you know yeah. it's just hard to avoid and so but that was one that really lived up to the hype for me for whatever reason it was just I loved like the STEM aspect and the. I like, loved that book so much. I felt I like know. it was so smart just... and witty and just different than anything that I. Again, I feel like part of how you perceive a book is just like is your perspective, which I try to keep in mind as an author when I'm reading other people's reviews. Is like how I would perceive a book reading it one day is different than I would perceive it reading another day, That's like so just true. based on my mood or my perspective or yeah. what I'd read recently. Like that, just all impacts you um unconsciously as you're reading a book but um yeah the love hypothesis is one that I really really we talk enjoy. a lot about I want to read more of hers right book wrong time mm-hmm. that happens for us a lot so yeah. maybe that's just where I was at with the love hypothesis when I read it who knows maybe if I listen yeah. to well, and I listen to it but maybe if I read it again I'll like it more I just didn't connect with Olive very much so that was kind of my thing so I read that book I think I mean it hadn't blown up yet because I read it like right after it came out I had seen one of my favorite authors post about it and I think she had like an arc of it and so like as soon as it came out I read it and that was a book that I I finished it and then just like immediately started it over again that that same day so I read it like twice in 24 hours um because I just loved it so much and then I just loved Um, everything that's high praise Mm mm-hmm I'm very rarely reread something. So when I when I do I or when someone says that they reread something of mine, I take it as like the highest of compliments because again, there's so many amazing books out there. I feel like um, taking the time to read something twice is like an extra gold star on top of it. There's just, yeah, like you said, there's so many amazing books out there and there's more coming out all the time. And you, you know. can't, like, does it ever stress you out that you can't possibly read all of the good books that are out there? Because me, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Just and so or much. also when I find like a book or an author and it, or and it's been out for a while, I'm like, I can't believe I didn't read this already because mm-hmm. it's become 
you know, one of my new favorite books. Uh, that also happens to me a lot because yeah, it's difficult to cut, like, especially in indie publishing, because um, you're at a disadvantage in the sense that you're don't have the weight of, you know, a larger organization behind you. You're doing all the marketing yourself for the most part. Um, where, yeah, it's difficult to cut through the noise because there's a lot of amazing books out there. And um, yeah, you've got to, you know, it's hard to find your niche oftentimes. And as a reader, it's hard to find books because there's so many great options out there. Um, yeah. It's, I, it's just, yeah, there's, I'll never be able to read everything I want to read. And then the last, so oh, go ahead. Sad. Makes me so sad. Um, the last new author that I read, cause I was just saying I reread a lot. The last time I read a new author was when I started Ice Planet Barbarians, January 10th. And since then it's just <laughs> been authors I've read before or rereads of books I've read before. On repeat. Good Lord. The yeah. only rereads I've done this year are and before that was Amy Lee. Throne of Glass. Those are the only rereads. Oh wait, Daisy. Oh, Amy Lee is another one I have not. I've seen her. Is it X's and O's? That's mm-hmm. her second one. Yeah. Set on um, You was I've good, but I loved X's and O's not, so much. Yeah. Set on I You. I haven't read that yet either. Yes. Yeah, Set on You was really, really good for a debut. Not even for a debut, just in general. And uh, but she really hit her stride with X's and O's. Like that mm-hmm. is quintessential romantic comedy right there. It's perfect. I also read Amy Berry this year. I think I talked to you guys about that one, but it was Kit McBride Gets a Wife. And that was like one just like random that I saw on Libby and I loved it. So I do end up usually loving whatever new author I read, um, which I think is why I stay in my lane (laughs) because if not, I'd never be able to get through everything. Right. Yeah. But really, I mean, this year, this year I've read, Sarah J. Moss, Emily Henry, um, Ruby Dixon, and Sarah Adams mostly. Like that's that's pretty, I've read a couple other things, but that's I need to read more of Sarah Adams books. I read The Match, um, which was I think her debut, um, which is such a cute book. And I see her all over Bookstagram. And again, I just I haven't I'm read not- any of her four the titles any of her four titles before the cheat sheet I haven't read any of them but the cheat sheet is so good I love that book. the cheat sheet is my favorite book of hers I see that on a lot of I love sports romance (laughs) I read a lot of it um and yeah I see I see that one on and I think that's her only sports romance right and she Mm -hmm. and she's writing the next one that I think comes out this year yeah um we'll say I waited a really long time to read when in Rome and then I ended up listening to it and the audiobook. I wasn't a fan of the male narrator, but I really loved, I ended up really loving it. And I'm really excited for Practice Makes Perfect now. But thank you for listening to HAs and Heartbreaks podcast. <laughs> Please follow us on Instagram. We share other things there. Follow us at HAs and Heartbreaks.pod. Thanks for listening. Shoot, yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Also, see you next time, Heartbreakers. See you next time, Heartbreakers.